just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and, as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to Speaking Influence, the show that helps you to master the psychology and application of ethical influence and persuasion in life and business with persuasive presentations and podcasting coach, Johnny Ball. Welcome to the show. My name's Johnny Ball. This is Speaking Influence, the show where we delve into the world of influence and persuasion to help you build ethical influence and authority and to become a powerfully persuasive communicator. This week, I'm continuing my series reviewing some of the books that for me have made the biggest impact in terms of my own influence and persuasion and understanding the topic. And I do believe that critical thinking skills is a key element to this and marries very well with things like rhetoric, which we'll often talk about on the show too. One of the first books that I ever came across, in fact, it probably was the first book I ever read that talked about critical thinking skills and logical fallacies is The Art of Thinking Clearly by Rolf Dobelli. So that's the book that I'm talking about today. And the reason why for that is it actually helped me to clean up a lot of my thinking. Now, I do think one thing I will put in here as a caveat or even just as a bit of a warning, if you are quite religious or spiritual, Rolf Dobelli, I think, I think very much is not. And there is an element, especially you have the audiobook version of this, an almost sneery kind of approach to people who do have religious or spiritual beliefs when, when he is very pragmatic and scientific and doesn't, ha doesn't share those with you. So if you're a bit sensitive about those kinds of things, just, just be forewarned if you're going to read this book. He, I don't think he's particularly sensitive about how he approaches talking about those matters. He, he is really quite dismissive. That said, I don't have any issues with the actual logical fallacies that he talks about. I will say he does bring in a few of Robert Cialdini's Weapons of Influence from the Psychology of Influence book. And he does also bring in some of Daniel Kahneman's theories, which you can find in Thinking Fast and Slow. Those are books that I will undoubtedly be covering. I hadn't read those at the time of reading this book. So it did actually lead me on to reading those books. And uh, they are deeply valuable. I don't know that they were necessary to be included in a book about logical fallacies, but uh, I can understand why Rolf Dobelli would put them in here as well. I want to, with all of these reviews, encourage you to go out and buy the book or get the Blinkist if you want, if you prefer the summarized versions of it. This really is just to tell you why I think it's an important book to read and why it was impactful for me. Because... Critical thinking skills really can change the way we think about things. And when we change the way we think about things, we change our world. And so 
I would say for me, it did start to clean up my thinking, especially when I started to take a look at some of the biases that we operate on. And it still helps to revisit them because like most people, I do not always remember all of the logical fallacies and biases that we inherently operate on. And you're never, probably never going to. I think Debelli himself says in the book numerous times, he's still subject to these as just as much as anyone else. So having awareness of logical fallacies and the likes is not necessarily going to eliminate them. It can just help you to work on cleaning some of them up. But things that I found very helpful with understanding things like survivor's bias, like the reason why we only ever hear success stories, and we often think it's particularly important for someone like me who works in personal development, you'll hear, all right, this person gets up at five o'clock every day and they start with some exercise and they go through this whole process and this is what they do and this is their mindset and they do these declarations and all of these things. And that's what has made them successful. You will never get to hear about the unsuccessful people who do all of those exact same things and haven't had the same result because that's how it works. We want to hear what successful people have done. Is it those things that created the result? Maybe, but there's also an element of successful people rarely want to own up to how much of a part luck plays and good fortune and luck plays in our results. And so we often end up looking to these people saying, all right, you need to do what the successful people are doing. Follow the gurus, do what they tell you because they've been analyzing all these successful people. And like, yeah, you see commonalities and things like that, but you get very few people who investigate the commonalities of unsuccessful people or find people who've done all the same things that successful people have done and not had successful results. So it ends up being a form of confirmation bias to a degree. It's a survivor bias. You think, well, what is it that helped you survive the situation? Or what is it that brought you through successful? It can be very hard to pin those things down. And very often it is more the luck or the background or elements that you're not going to hear about so much that aren't necessarily daily practice. So that was very helpful for me just to know that, okay, what I do and in how I operate, maybe I shouldn't pay too much attention to the people say it has to be this way and that you have to do all these things that all the other successful people are doing. It could be quite liberating. Confirmation bias is definitely a big one and probably one of the biggest fallacies we operate on. Like we're always looking to prove ourselves right and our brains will work with that in any way that we can. And so we'll work very often with anecdotes. Like I'll, I'll tell a story very quickly here about it, having coffee with a group of my friends and, and I happen to mention that I don't believe in homeopathy. And a lot, I don't believe it exists. I mean, I know it exists, but I don't believe it's a real thing. Like it's a scientific thing. And, and that's my belief. And I'm open to being proven wrong on that. However, one guy in the group says he does believe in it because when his child was teething, he gave the child a homeopathic tablet and it stopped crying. Well, an anecdotal story really just goes to back up his belief that that worked. But is that the reason why the child stopped crying? Was it the distraction of having something put in its mouth? Or was there something else going on that it wasn't registering? Because he was just thinking, oh, it stopped crying. It must be because I put the tablet in its mouth. That the causation isn't necessarily the thing that he believes it to have been. It just seemed that that was a cause and effect situation that backs up what he wants to believe. 
Similar things are at play with things like psychics, for example, where they can give a lot of different examples and throw a lot of things out there and they'll get a lot of misses, but they'll get the occasional hits. And when people tend to visit them, you're listening out for what you want to hear. And people will very quickly focus on the hits, the things, the bits that they get right. And then the psychics can expand on that and deliver that. But people very quickly ignore the bits that they get wrong. And usually there are a lot of them. So confirmation bias is one of the things I think that muddies up our thinking just about more than anything else. But we should understand things like authority bias and contrast, availability bias, the no pain, no gain fallacy, that we should be very careful with somebody who says it, it's going to get worse before it gets better. It's like a, almost a nocebo of planting that suggestion that you think, oh, well, it's okay if things get worse because they're going to get better afterwards. And they may not, <laughs> they may not. It might just be a thing of like, well, you actually delay treatment. If you hear the words, it's going to get worse before it gets better or no pain, no gain. You delay doing something about the pain that you're experiencing because you think you're supposed to be having it. Whereas perhaps you'd be better off without it. We'll return to Speaking Influence in just a few moments. Like me, you have a message to share with your audience and it's important. In fact, it could change their lives. But first, you need to be very clear about two things. Exactly who are you trying to help and what can you offer them that no one else can? Because it all starts there. And it's all about your brand. Brandface sponsors this podcast and they help people just like you and me to define, develop and display a brand that positions you as an authority. It's time to make sure you stand out. Find out more at learnaboutbrandface.com. Now, back to the show. It's like the, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger thing that people say. It's a fallacy. It's not necessarily true. There are things that may not kill you, but could actually leave you permanently disabled or leave you far worse off or leave you completely weakened for the, the rest of your time. It's just not true. And it's a fallacy that people say, but it's one of those things that maybe makes us feel better in the moment or perhaps is just having something to say. But understanding things like the gambler's fallacy, the idea that your luck has to change at some point, that luck is this mystical force, for example, that, that we can somehow have some control over or that you can only have so much bad luck. And the, even just this idea that, well, if you flip an, a coin toss head seven times that the eighth time will have to be tails, it's not necessarily so. Unless it's a weighted coin, there is just as much chance for every flip of it being heads again. So you still have exactly the same odds. But again, the, the gambler's fallacy in our heads tells us otherwise. We're always looking for patterns. We're really not very good at evaluating sometimes the reality of situations. So the hedonic treadmill is really something that Kahneman talks about. And I will probably discuss that a bit more deeply when it comes to reviewing Thinking Fast and Slow, because it's an incredible book that, again, probably everybody should read. But this idea that, well, something amazing happens, like how long should you be feeling amazing for? Or something terrible happens, how long would you be feeling bad for? Because we always revert to the mean. We have this like base rate level of our happiness, I guess you could call it, a base rate level of our emotional energy that we live at. 
And that's what we'll all, always revert to, whether something good happens or something bad happens. This is a thing of be careful what you wish for, uh, not just because you might get it, but because it probably just might not be as fulfilling as you think it's going to be, or certainly not for as long. We tend to fill our time with stuff. And I think what we tend to find is that experiences are far more valuable, but ongoing experiences, ongoing action is far more important. And so a key element of this is that we need to find more fulfillment on a day-to-day -day basis if we want to be generally happier because instances of achievement or success don't last. We adapt to them very quickly and they don't continue to improve our state of well-being or life. They feel great when they happen, but it just doesn't last. We have that hedonic adaptation back to our base rate level. So we can increase our base rate level of happiness and kind of talks about that. So again, I'll, I'll cover that more in another review on thinking fast and slow. But I think things like uh, primacy and recency biases, where we're pulling on those heuristics of what's more in our mind. Like you ask somebody at the moment what's on their mind, they're more likely to start talking about the events in Ukraine, where there's a lot going on. It's in the news all the time. It's on people's minds. This thing of perhaps why you shouldn't watch the news. The, the news will always make us feel that things are worse than they are because that's essentially what the news focuses on. There are very few good news stories on the news. It's not designed to do that. But also, realistically, there are very few things in the news that you really need to know about. And the, the belly talks about this in terms of we have this idea that we have to stay informed and that it gives us some kind of competitive advantage to know what's going on in the world and to be informed of all of global events and the likes and all the terrible things that may be happening but it probably doesn't really it just distracts us from our day-to-day -day lives perhaps makes us more afraid it maybe starts to spike our fears and therefore put us into a fear state that actually might be preventing us from operating more fully. Like I'm encountering a lot of people right now who are in a huge fear state about everything that's going on in Ukraine, whereas you know, there's no real reason why they can't actually be living their lives as fully as they would any other time, but they're preoccupied with everything that's going on there. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have empathy and compassion for what's going on there, and we should actually support that, but it doesn't really help any situation to spend all of our time worried about it or to be feeling depressed in our lives that you know, the, the world might end. Well, that's always been the case. The world could always end at any time, but whilst we're particularly focused in on it, we're going to be feeling terrible about that if we let that happen to us. But there's really no reason why we should. So we may be robbing ourselves of the potential for joy and happiness in the meantime, and also success if we're not actually able to work on our business because we're too bloody depressed about what's going on in the world. So just be careful of these things and understand that we are also very good at cherry picking. We'll often find the bits of information that support what we want to believe. And this comes into cognitive bias as well. We'll often support what we want to believe rather than looking for where evidence leads us. We tend to start with an assumption or start with where we want the evidence to get us to. And then we start to look for confirming evidence. And this is not the way that investigation should happen. Investigation should take us to a starting point of where do we begin to investigate what the outcome is with this. Let's say you're doing a work project and there's somebody in your team who has a bit of a reputation for not being the best. And so things start to go wrong and the results aren't going the way you want to. It might be very natural to scapegoat that person and say, well, this is because this is because Gary's on our team. This is because Gary always messes up. 
and yet it actually might not be Gary. But then you start with that assumption. You're also going to start looking for evidence to support that. Well, look, Gary's loafing off. Look, Gary's going for a cigarette break. Look, Gary's chatting when he should be working. And so you're going to look for all these things that confirm it. And that may not actually be the thing at all. You've made an assumption that that's the end result, but it's not necessarily the case. And so you're going to cherry pick the bits of information that support the outcome that you already believe rather than starting from, okay, well, it could be that, but it could be a whole host of other things. Let's actually take a look and see what it could be. So I'm going to say that one of the most important things that can come out of any of this is, is to be a little bit more skeptical in our lives. And this isn't me saying, don't ever believe anybody. This is me saying, you know, just understand that people's anecdotes and personal experiences are not good, solid evidence. They are just personal experiences and that we are all subject to logical fallacies and cognitive biases. And we would generally be well served to have awareness of them and to sometimes try and take a step back and think, am I falling prey? to cognitive biases and logical fallacies here. So this is a very hard thing to do. It does take work, but I think at least having a bit of information for yourself about how this works. Maybe if you are someone who's interested in argumentation, particularly, and you want to work on developing, cleaning up your thinking, there are a number of other books and resources you would probably want to look at in this topic. And I will, again, probably cover some of those in future reviews. Certainly books like Thank You for Arguing, and also I would say like the one of the great courses, which is on argumentation, really, really good book to be looking at that goes into a lot of these things more deeply. Critical thinking skills bounds up very well with the art of rhetoric in terms of being able to persuade and influence other people. When you understand how they work, you could cynically use some critical thinking or logical fallacies to your advantage and flow with those, or you could also work on helping people to recognize those fallacies and clean up their thinking. But one of the challenges is that very often pointing out logical fallacies and biases to people is not something that they're going to often thank you for. But sometimes showing people at least an, a different way of thinking or another approach does set people up for being able to take that step back and see things a bit more clearly. And whilst it may not be my favorite ever book on, on critical thinking and logical fallacies It's certainly the one that for me first introduced me to these ideas and allowed me to start cleaning up my thinking. And I feel like it set me on a very valuable path in my life. So I would recommend the same for you. Look, my, my next episode is going to be another interview and uh, I know you're going to be looking forward to some of those, but please do check out my previous review on how to influence and influence people. If you haven't already checked that out, you might enjoy my interview with Joseph Corella about the influence of dance and music. We were having a, a very enjoyable conversation about that and also still got things to look forward to you like setting up an interview with the amazing Chris Ducker and also the incredible Erin King all coming up on the show sometime soon. So make sure you're subscribed. I look forward to seeing you on another show very soon.